Hey everyone, welcome to the Advocate Like a Mother podcast. I'm Michelle. And I'm Ashley. Today's episode is all about diagnoses. Our guest today is Jen Jacob. She's an author and she's co-founder and executive director of Down Syndrome Diagnosis Network, the DSDN. So stick around. So today is all about diagnoses. So Ashley and I thought we would share our diagnosis stories. Yes. So for me, I know in episode zero, I kind of gave like our little backstory about how um, Eli came along. And, and you already had the vision that he was going to have yes, Down syndrome. which is crazy. I know. You've had multiple visions yeah, with that. Yeah. It's just kind of, yeah. <laughs> I wish I had that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did have that with Harper, so I guess um, I kind of did. But with Ryder, it was very surprising. <laughs> So, yeah, so we, you know, actually found, we actually went and got an ultrasound when I was about 15 weeks along Mm -hmm. because, um, you know, he's our fourth kid. We already had three girls, giant age gap, right? Almost, almost 10 years. And I just couldn't wait, you know? And so I was like, let's just, let's just go to one of those like little, you know, ultrasound places. Yeah. Like the sneak peek ones, right? yeah, Yeah. And we walk in and like, you know, the girl working the machine looked like she was 16. Right. And I'm like, okay. You know, right. it took her forever to, to find the baby. Yeah. 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 <laughs> You're like, is there a baby in there? <laughs> <laughs> and so that day we found out that he was a boy. Okay. And so going into his 20 week ultrasound, it was kind of like, yeah, you know, this is whatever. This right. is just routine. We already know it's a boy. Right. Who cares about everything else? You mm-hmm. know, so that's kind of the attitude I had going in. Yeah. And so, I mean, you've already done this three times, so you kind of have a little bit of experience. Yeah. (laughs) And so we go in and it was at the end of the day. I remember Mm -hmm. that. And so the doctor had already left for the day. Right. And so I'm laying there and I kid you not, as soon as the image popped up on the screen, I knew something was wrong, like terribly wrong because, you know, I'd seen my three girls ultrasounds and I knew what ultrasounds looked like. like, Right. And he had these two giant dark spots on his stomach Mm -hmm. and I was like, what is that? Right. And I Instant look, panic, right? Yeah. And I look at the text face and her face, because you know, at first she's like all smiley and happy and, oh and then all of a sudden her face just totally changes. Mm-hmm. And I I know, I'm like, there's no point in me saying anything right now because I know she can't say anything. No. The doctor's gone for the day. Right. And so I just sat there and just tears just streaming and she's just super quiet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all I see is these two dark spots. So all these crazy things are going through my mind. Of course. I'm thinking like, Worst you case know, scenario. tumors in his stomach. Right. Like, what is this? Right. You know? And so she spent for, I mean, it was like the longest ultrasound I've ever had. Right. And, you know, and she's like, you know, at the end, she's like, okay, we'll have a good night. <laughs> And I was like, okay, we're just supposed to go home after this. Like, what? And so it was not good, you guys. I went home and how long did it take the doctor to call you? Well, so I I got the call the next morning. (laughs) Okay, God. Okay, yeah, but because it was at the end of the day, right? He didn't that week though. Oh my gosh, I I can't sleep. I can't think of anything else. I can't eat. I'm just yes, right? Yes. I remember I just sat in my car Mm -hmm. and it was just on Google, Mm -hmm. which is you know looking back (laughs) the pictures I saw and you know just. (sighs) But the first thing I did was you know I googled you know two dark spots in the stomach and so the first thing that came up was duodenal atresia Mm -hmm. and then of course because of that like that's so common and down syndrome down syndrome came up right and so i just you know and i had already had a feeling that he was going to have down syndrome Mm -hmm. so it wasn't 
surprising. It wasn't surprising. No. But just the fact that like, you know. It's kind some, of validating, I'm sure, for oh, you in a little was. bit of a way when you're Googling and then it just kind of like all the stars kind of right. start aligning and you're like, hmm. And I even said to Eric, I'm like, well, do you believe me now? And he's like, no. oh my gosh, he like rolled his eyes. Right. Like, no. Don't they always? <laughs> right. And then finally you get that moment and you're like, I told you so. Right. Thanks. Right. <laughs> I don't I don't want to be that person that's like always like, oh, I told you so. But sometimes we just have those internal totally. feelings. Yeah. And mother's intuition. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. So I finally, I'm, I don't know how long I sat in the car, but it was a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I finally came in, went straight to bed, mm-hmm. cried myself to sleep. Um, I'm and surprised then, you even got any sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. And then woke up and um, I literally like I prayed. And mm-hmm. as soon as I was done praying, the phone rang and it was the doctor. And you're like, please don't miss this call. Please don't miss this call. (laughs) And so he says, yeah, you know, we saw some things on the ultrasound. You need to come in. You're like, okay, I know. I'm like, I know. (laughs) I've already Googled it. (laughs) Right. I've already diagnosed it. I know what he has. (laughs) Self-diagnosis here. (laughs) This is me. (laughs) And he said, um, I, yeah, I think on the phone call, he said, we, we saw three things. Mm -hmm. And so in my mind, I only knew about the one, one, you know, he said, you know, he has, um, his intestines are blocked. Okay. He has a major heart defect. Right. And he has fluid on his brain. Okay. And he's like, all three of these things point to Down syndrome. We need you to come in for, you know, a better, a higher, mm-hmm. you know, ultrasound. You know, how, how soon can you get here, right. basically? Oh, my goodness. And so, um, you know, we, we get the girls in the car. We rush over there. And um, we were not in his office anymore. We were actually, like, in, like, a different part of the hospital mm-hmm. and the segregation part where they take us parents before right, they give right. us that <laughs> shocking news yeah and so the tech comes in and you know she's you know same kind of thing just very like quiet mm-hmm. and you know makes you feel so uncomfortable because yeah. I feel like if they would come in and just be gentle right. and nice regardless of whatever diagnosis that they are going to give us yeah. it would just make it so much different right. for us right. because when they don't talk to you then you're just like assuming all these things it's like yeah. could you imagine how you would be feeling I mean you would just want somebody just to be like it's gonna be okay right, right. you know definitely just something yeah and so, you know, same thing, laying there, mm-hmm. they're, you know, taking forever, looking mm-hmm. at his heart and I'm freaking out because I didn't course. know about the heart. So of I'm course. trying to look at the pictures, trying to, you know, it's, diagnose yeah. <laughs> what exactly is going on with his heart. Right. And so, um, <clears throat> so, you know, you know, she finishes, she takes forever mm-hmm. and she's like, okay, I'm going to go get the doctor. And so, you know, so in walks this female doctor I've never seen before in my life, mm-hmm. you know, and so. And I don't know, tech, you know, why my doctor wasn't able to right. come down and give and, us the news. But right. she came in and, you know, super cold, mm-hmm. just worst case scenario to start off from the, you know, off, you know, with, um, well, your baby has some sort of trisomy, I'm, ass- I'm assuming, because of all the defects. And, Whoa, you know, bro. I mean, uh, like we couldn't chance, have been any right, nicer. Right. Chances are it's trisomy 13 or 18. So most likely the baby won't make it to birth. So we can go upstairs and take care of this right now. And I know she said it like that because I have my girls in the room and I don't know what in the world she would have like how she would have phrased it. But my girls aren't stupid. They I were nine, 12 right and 14. Now. They knew what she meant when right. we just go upstairs and, and take care of this. And this is even before they actually had a diagnosis right. though, right? This is yeah. all just assumption off of an ultrasound. Oh, yeah. This is no blood no work. Blood this work. is no this, yeah. amnio. This no. is no nothing. Nothing. 
And oh, it, like what parent would say, let me just sign the papers oh, yeah, now. Yeah. You okay, know what I'm saying? Go. Like, no. Yeah. yeah. No. I was just in I, I, Who my jaw to the make floor. That? Yes. And my girls look at me like, what? You know, like, right. here's their baby brother. Right. And this doctor's treating him like trash. Yeah. And so I just was like, I just, I don't even remember what I said. I just was like, no. <laughs> and right. like, we just kind of walked out and yeah in a daze and a blur and that. and probably not feeling your best self no. and very upset and just like how can somebody treat a yes. baby like this or yeah. treat me like this because you have to give me some sort of grace or something here right. I mean you're just throwing this all at me like this is right something that you just okay let's just go do this now like no yeah this is not how this works yeah so we went home and just cried and mm-hmm. I remember Greta she was so sweet yeah she was like Mommy, God made his body. Don't yeah. worry. Like, God's in control. God yes. knows what he's doing. And he it was does. Like, it took a 12-year-old to, say to that. bring some perspective. I know. And like, okay. I know, because we think that it's life-ending yeah. and changing. Well, and yeah, and then they gave me zero hope. I, mean, right. I was honestly thinking, you know, he's not even going to make it to birth. Right. You know, that's that's how they set it up. So now I'm panicking yeah. at this point. Like, what am I doing right. that I'm not being able to keep him healthy quote unquote right. you know I'm what like, i'm saying what am i doing right wrong? do i immediately go lay down am i on right. the rest, rest of pregnancy right. just to keep him safe you know and then you know obviously like the mama bear instinct comes in it's like here's this doctor trying to you know tell me to kill my baby and tell and, me what to do i mean right. who are you to make this life decision for right. me right and you know it's just like i just the mama bear kicked in yes. it's like, i'm gonna do everything in my power to protect this baby yes you know and so we ended up getting um, the blood work mm-hmm. done, and that took, gosh, it felt like forever. An eternity I know it's so dumb. They can do everything out. else so fast, right. but the blood work takes like months <laughs> and years. It's like, please, can it just be instant? Right. <laughs> I mean. And so in the meantime, I had, um, you know, we called family, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and um, for the most part, most of our family was pretty supportive. But right. one family member, um, you know, the first thing they said was, "Well, you're not going to keep the baby, right?" And I was like, what do you mean? They're like, well, clearly with the heart defect and, you know, most likely having Down syndrome, they're only going to suffer, you know, just why, why make this harder on yourself? And I was just like, I can't even believe you're saying this right now. And this person is, you know, claims to be pro-life, right? This person has gone and, you know, picketed in front of abortion clinics. And I was just like shocked and so hurt yes you know like you need your family right you know like know. to be That's, supportive I and know. tell you everything's gonna be okay right and I give know. you a glimmer of hope i and know it's here, hard when they're not yeah. girl i feel that from both sides of my family it's i was just, just in shock and yes. so i was you know crushed by the doctor crushed yes. by this family member i know because you have expectations for yeah. your family that they're just going to be there no matter what right. it is that your child has or may not have right. it's just you want them to be there and love them for who they are right and not who they wanted them to be exactly you know exactly and then you know obviously the more i thought about it later you know i thought you know they're coming at it through their perspective and mm-hmm. how it's going to affect their life right you but know it, but they should their friends going to think or right. you know and it, which is so sad no, that way of course all. not not at all of course not but it's yeah. not about how it's going to affect their life right. it's about how it's going to make their life better right that's what people don't understand right. but that's how this person's I know. grid is like i know they see everything through how the worst yeah mm-hmm. the worst and how it's going to affect them mm-hmm. and not how it's going to you know 
anything else about you know it's it's all about them that's what it boils down to i know and it's it's really hard yeah being in like that place right. of a newly diagnosis it's yeah. just it's not about them anymore it's not even about us right at this point it's right. about the child totally. and what's best for them yeah so our self just gets thrown off oh, to, yeah. to the to the end yeah you know and so one thing that happened that was really cool is you know we called family called a, you know some close friends yeah and one of my friends i'm gonna cry to see me about it she brought over um, some clothes for oh. him. And I just like, this, the clothes just symbolized so much for me. I, there's probably so much, many tears on the, those little outfits yes. she brought. But it just, not only did it show me that she valued his life. Right. But that there was hope that there was going to be a baby to put in these clothes. Right. You know, right. like that, like I can't you even tell you hope. how much those clothes meant to me. Like, that is the best gift I've ever it's been given. It's just the little things, honestly, life. at yeah. the end of the day, when you look back on yeah. it. Because those clothes make you so appreciative. Like, I have a little baby to put this in. Right. And it, it doesn't matter if he has Down syndrome or right. whatever. Right. He, I'm still going to put him in yeah. these clothes. And yeah. he's still going to be my baby. Yeah, exactly. And I'm still going to love on him. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Okay. So that's my story. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley, what about you? Um, You know, I was young and super naive with Ryder. I was 19 when I was pregnant with him. I had no idea, no hints of anything on any of my ultrasounds, no hints on the blood work. And then he came out. He was blue. Um, so scary. He, so scary. And at 19, I mean, the hospital was like, oh, he's fine. He's cold. We're going to put him under some lights and that. totally fine. And then the next day they come in and they're like, he has a heart murmur. You need to follow up. So, you know, from there, I'm, I, w I honestly wasn't really super worried because they just told me like it could potentially close and it's not really a huge big deal. They didn't tell us that his congenital heart disease was super severe and something that needed to be fixed. So we went um, two and a half years without any kind of diagnosis for anything. Wow. So finally, after m multiple specialists, people, I mean, I even had the anesthesiologist at, um, at one of the hospitals come in and say, if I put your kid under, he's going to die. Oh so goodness. let me just sign the papers now, right? Oh, that's that's when we walked out and just realized that my son was worth more yes. than this and that we need to get a second opinion right. and a third opinion and a yeah. fifth opinion and a freaking hundredth opinion right. because... Whatever no, it takes. No. You there's no way that you can tell me that you know what's going to happen right. after you put them under. Yes, there are risks. And with Williams syndrome, there are a lot of risks with anesthesia, but you just don't need to say it the way that you do. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's all about the bedside manner. Yeah. So finally, Ryder was two and a half. The doctor walked in, boom, he has Williams syndrome. Like, excuse me, what? What is that? Yeah. I'm so confused. So finally, you know, Google and I'm like, yeah, he does. Facial characteristics. I mean, everything about Williams when I was reading about it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is my son. Like, this is so my son. Thank you for this answer because mm. I've been searching and yeah. searching and searching and wondering like, where does this congenital heart disease come right. from? You know, like, yeah. where are all these things coming from? I'm not understanding. And it all just finally I bet it felt sense. like, you know, in a way a burden, but also a weight lifted yes. at the same and time. And then I went home and I cried and yeah. I cried and I cried and I cried. And then I cried some more. And I think think the harder part for me was knowing that I had we had to do open heart surgery yeah it's so scary right. like being a first-time parent and that's you have to put your kid I mean for oh me I was so naive that I thought open heart surgery was like for older people that had like <laughs> you know um their arteries clogged from right, eating right. too you know like that's what I thought it was and then I just like was introduced to this world and I'm just like oh my god 
gosh, it's not just us. Like it's so yeah. many babies, like not just with Williams syndrome. Like there's a million babies. One having, in a hundred. Yeah. Multiple heart <laughs> surgeries, like yeah. right after birth. I mean, moms don't even get to hold their children yeah. after birth because yeah. they have to go right to the operating room. Right. So I'm so thankful that we caught his diagnosis and right. that he was able to have his open heart surgery, although it brought us more complications after, um, I will always be thankful for it because it honestly changed my whole perspective on life. I was just very ungrateful for a lot of things and just didn't have patience and just wasn't as kind as I should have been. And once everything happened with Ryder and then that doctor came in and was like, oh, he's just going to be a vegetable. I can't believe that. He's just going to drool all over himself for the rest of his life. Okay, bye. So horrible. And I'm like, what? Like my son walked in here. What do you mean he's going to be a vegetable? Like I'm so confused. And then, you know, he's clearly not a vegetable right. now, but... Hearing that as a parent going through a million stages of grief just really crushed me. Like it yeah. really crushed me. It took me a really long time to not be bitter over that comment. Like, and I still kind of am bitter because when I see him in the hallways, I still want to say like, do you see Ryder now? Like, do you see how he's doing? I would really appreciate it if you don't tell any other parents and this. And so did you know when he came in and said that, did mm -hmm. you know what that was or did? I did. did you, okay. I so did because um, Ryder had open heart surgery, I believe on Wednesday. On Friday, he was already showing symptoms of like the movement. So I had texted the one syndrome mom friend mm. and I had asked her like hey did your daughter have any like weird reactions to like maybe post um anesthesia or any of the medicines because anesthesia affects Williams differently mm. than most people um and she was like well what do you mean can you send me a video mm. so as soon as I sent her the video she immediately texted me back yes writer has post pump Korea and I'm like wow. wait what so she actually she, gave you the yes, diagnosis before any of the doctors wow. before we did an MRI before anything so wow. I went back up to the hospital room I'm like is this what he has and what did they say yes so they were like not wanting to tell you or just um, waiting? They just or? couldn't confirm it because we okay. just hadn't done the MRI. We okay. were waiting till like Saturday morning to wow. do it. But yeah, and then I was reading the MRI findings and yeah, it was um, it was um, difficult to yeah. say the least. And then we weren't expecting to be in the hospital for six months. We were oh literally expecting goodness. to go to home the next day. So crazy. And we went from our son being able to sit up to not even being able to hold his head up. So it wow. was just a lot. of, And then we had to push and we had to fight so much with them to get him to go to rehab and going back and forth so much. And then they finally like gave us an ultimatum. Basically, like he had to get a G-tube to go to rehab. Mm. So, and I was so bent on not getting the G-tube because mm -hmm. I was like, my kid ate and my kid did all these things. Right. And I was just so much in denial because yeah. that grief was just oh. overtaking me. Like I could not even believe. Right. I, I couldn't even look at the surgeon. Mm. I, I was so just wanted to place my anger on so many people and things. I, looking back on that now, I know that's not the right way to think or the right way to go about things. But when you're in those stages of grief, yeah. that's just how it happens. I mean, there were so many days I can remember just walking into that hospital room and just freaking crying all mm. day because I'm like, this sucks. Yeah. Like, this is like my own personal prison with my kid, like who's yeah. just crawling out of his body and there's nothing I can do to freaking mm. help him. And, you know, then you feel guilty because you're like, I made the choice to do this open heart surgery but it's like do I do it do I not do it it's like Russian roulette right. like you know what I'm saying because if you don't do it yeah the ultimatum is terrible right. but if you do do it there is the potential ultimatum that's going to go the same way yeah. you know what I'm saying it's just such like um it's hard yeah so yeah with so Harper hard. I knew I I I knew going into it and then I kind of doubted myself for a minute I kind of had a little doubt though um because I don't know I just 
sometimes doubt myself a little bit you know you like think of all these things like yeah she's marking all these boxes like it's just it's obvious that this is what's going on but sometimes like maybe that's really not what's going on you know sometimes we like overthink things and then going into the diagnosis I'm like what if I'm all wrong like what if I'm just like Mm. putting all these things out there and it's not really happening and then boom we walk in she's like yes she has severe autism and then we got the genetic testing and that that was a mind boggle for me Mm. because her genetics came back that she had a deletion and a very rare deletion of course she's like the only one that's been diagnosed in genetics so far wow so yes they, there are multiple kids with the deletion but most of them have like a a bigger deletion and it's um like the whole gene missing versus harper is just like a tiny mm. little piece so realistically we don't even know if it's affecting her autism or if it's just something that wouldn't even affect her at all Hmm. you know so it's very weird and there's not a lot of research so here we go again just winging it going in blind but um I found a little group a small group 60 people all around the world even in the UK that have children with the 3p deletion not all the same back numbers because it's like 3p and then their back numbers are different than hers but there is one that has the same, but a lot of them don't have the autism diagnosis. Mm-hmm. A lot of them have um, other health ailments that have led them to the deletion. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's very crazy how um, much genes can affect you yeah. and your cognitive, mental, right. everything. It's just, I didn't even know how much of a part genes played into the baby versus like just being male and female. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Because I feel like as a first time mom, you're like, oh, it's a girl you know like we don't have to worry about any of these genes and then you find out you're like whoa (laughs) how do we have so many genes (laughs) (laughs) you know so yeah it's it's been um a road and it's been new things to learn and it's been um something that I wouldn't ever change and I'm grateful for all the things that I've learned and continue to learn from other parents and just in general definitely well thanks for sharing Ashley Thank Um, you for sharing too. I love talking about our diagnosis stories. I mean, I don't love it, but I just like to be able to relate. And I I think that other people will be able to relate. Oh, for sure. Yeah, definitely sharing stories and hearing other people's stories. You know, that just... It's hard, but it also makes you feel like, hey, we're not alone. Hey, you too. Me too. Yep, (laughs) definitely. Definitely. Okay, so let's get to our guest. Our guest today is Jen Jacob. She's an author and she's co-founder and executive director of Down Syndrome Diagnosis Network, the DSDN. Uh, One thing I wanted to talk to you guys about too is um, we're excited to let you know that we've opened a Patreon account. Patreon is a great way for you to support the podcast. We're excited to grow the show by adding more resources on the website, hosting events, and to keep our producer paid and happy. (laughs) What makes it most exciting is that we give you guys rewards in the form of merchandise for your contribution. So who wants an Advocate Like a Mother shirt? Or a mug. Right? Or a bag or a sticker or a hat. I know. All (laughs) the things. All the things. (laughs) Um, so, um, we're going to hear a word from our sponsor and we will be back with Jen Jacob. Hey everyone. Let's talk about the glory days daily planner. I've got my hands on the planner right now. Here are the features that jump out at me, the weekly therapy tracking pages, the daily self-care check-ins and the meal planning. The glory days company partnered with 55 moms, raising a person with different abilities to make sure this planner was functional for our unique and complex schedules. The best part is they're donating a portion of the profits to the Down Syndrome Diagnostic Network. Check them out today on Instagram and Facebook, The Glory Days CO and TheGloryDaysCO.com.
Hi, Jen. Thank you so much for joining us. We're so grateful that you've taken time out of your day to come chat with us. So since this episode is all about diagnoses, why don't you tell us your diagnosis story? Sure. Mine's not that exciting. So that's the good news that I kind of had a pretty go with the flow diagnosis. Um, Ours actually started, we were expecting number four. And so, you know, I was at the point where we had two boys and a girl and I just really wanted to know whether we were going to be having another boy or another girl. (laughs) And so my husband ended up having to work the day that I had my anatomy scan and I was like, okay, that's fine, but I'm still going because, yep, (laughs) you know, we'd been through it enough. Um, I was actually the most concerned about um, preterm labor because that had happened. Our daughter was born at 32 weeks and then I was on bed rest with the other two. So I was really more concerned about like my cervix than anything else (laughs) going on. So we got in there that day and the the, uh, ultrasound tech did her scan and it took forever. I did remember that. Like it just took forever that day and she had me move around a lot more Mm. and I thought that was kind of weird, but I also, you know, I had seen enough ultrasounds over my years of parenting that I knew, like I saw a heartbeat, I saw fingers and toes, like, so I was feeling pretty confident, you know, I was fine. Uh, I went in to go meet with the doctor. Then he came into the room and it took him forever. It felt like to just to come in and see me that day. And, um, he'd been my doctor through miscarriages, through our preterm labors. So he knew me pretty well. And, you know, when he came in, he just looked at me differently that day. And Mm. I could just tell, like, my stomach dropped. I was like, okay, something's up. And um, I think the words that he said to me is, uh, these are difficult ultrasounds to go over. Mm. And just at that moment, I was kind of in an out-of-body experience, like, listening to everything he said. And he just, uh, he mentioned that they didn't see a nasal bone on the ultrasound Mm. and that that has been a new marker for Down syndrome. And so... I was just kind of taking it all in and he went through the rest of the appointment. We talked about things. um, And then he said, you know, you might want to go see this perinatologist. You could talk to them and they could do another scan at a higher level and kind of see what's going on. Or you can just carry on the way you have been and see what, you know, happens as things come. So um, I left that office in just tears and just ready to go tell my husband, I, I was going to go buy a cute little, you know, pink or boy, mm. outfit, pink or blue outfit. And now I just couldn't think of anything beyond what the doctor had just said. And, mm. you know, that was just after seeing a soft marker. So I had some information, but still not, I was 34 at the time. So not, you know, ancient, but getting <laughs> there to that advanced maternal age as they call it. Um, but I decided to go ahead and um, see the perinatologist and they did the level two scan and they saw a few other markers and decided um, that, you know, well, obviously I could do whatever I wanted. And um, I decided to do the newest blood tests that were just coming out. I was actually one of the first people in their office to do the NIPT scan screen. So um, I was thrilled to do that because I didn't want to risk an amnio, although there's not that much risk. I wasn't that interested. And they um, did the blood test, and within eight days, it came back that, yes, they believed he would have Down syndrome when he was born. We found out it was a boy, too, so yeah. that was the other good news. Right. But, yeah, so our diagnosis story was pretty good. We had um, some really good information from the genetics counselor after she gave us the results. She brought us in for a meeting, gave us resources, connected us to people and things locally. So, and was she um, pretty positive? Uh, yeah, actually, it, it really um, wasn't 
it wasn't really here or there for that conversation. It was just very, here's your information. Do you want to, what do you want to know? Um, very much led by how we were wanting the conversation to go. And she just kind of answered questions for us. So that's great. Well, so why don't you tell us about the DSDN and the role you play there? Yes. So that has been another part of this journey. I just, I never would have guessed how much my child having Down syndrome was going to affect my life in so many amazing ways, because for, if it wasn't for Owen, none of this would be happening in my opinion, just because (laughs) of the way things have gone or it wouldn't have happened as soon. So, um, after he was born, we obviously knew ahead of time that he would likely have Down syndrome and he was our fourth kid, but some things were just a little different when he was born. And I was never sure if it was just Owen or if it was Down syndrome related. And so I'd been connecting with some moms on baby center online and I just finally said, Hey, does anybody else that just had a baby want to talk with me on a Facebook group? Because I, you know how it is on those groups. There's, you know, people from every walk of life and every age. And I just really wanted to dig in with some of those newer moms. And so, uh, within just a couple of weeks, we had 150 moms from around the world in that first group. And And all of them had kids with down syndrome. Yeah. All of them had recently had kids with down syndrome. Yeah. So we all just really started sharing stories about things that were going on and what was going on with our kiddos and um, medical things, challenges, celebrations, all those pieces. Um, We also really started talking about the diagnosis conversations a lot because some of us had really traumatic diagnosis Mm. experiences. And that was when one of the other uh, members of that group, Heather Bradley, reached out to me and she said, Jen, we need to do something like this needs to be more than just this amazing group. Um, and in that meantime, too, we had started other new birth club groups. So our original one was for moms who had babies in 2012 and 2013. And then, you know, we got to sharing so many personal things that we just decided we're going to close this group up mm-hmm. and not let it open to everybody else. And that other moms found out about it on Baby Center and they said, well, can we get into a group too? And so we just started creating new groups. And after they reached about 150 to 200 moms, we'd cut it off and start a new one. Wow. Um, for the birth year. So that was kind of going on simultaneously. So we knew that there was a need and a want for people to talk about this stuff. Um, but once Heather said, you know, let's start a nonprofit, let's focus on that diagnosis period. Let's focus on talking to medical providers and see what happens. And we, uh, applied for our license in 2013 and we officially launched in 2014. So awesome. So tell us, Mm -hmm. you know, some of the things that you guys do. So the, our, really our biggest piece is just to inform, connect, and support new families. That's our, that's our mission statement. And really during that birth to, well, pregnancy, we have a pregnancy group as well. (laughs) Pregnancy through age three is our focus, but we're also finding that we can support families across that journey. So we've added some new things. Um, so our online groups, we have small private groups that are moderated by trained moderators and we have that starting in pregnancy. So moms who've just found out about their, if they're expecting a baby, have a safe space to go. Um, and then we have the birth club groups. So as new families come and find us, they join their birth year and then get to connect with other families who've also had babies about that same time. So they can follow along that journey together. So awesome. And then you guys provide uh, resources for doctors and medical professionals, correct? Yes. On the medical side, it's been really critical to us to make sure that people are sharing really good, accurate 
up-to-date information right. with families at, a, at the time of a new diagnosis. That's the part that we know that we can do something about. Um, sometimes, you know, a doctor may be biased one way or the other, only share, you know, the really great stories about Down syndrome or the really awful stories <laughs> about Down right. syndrome. That's where we feel like it falls in sometimes. But, you know, every medical provider just wants to give their patient the best information they can and help and support them just like we do. So we just try to offer that layer of support for the doctors as well, and just reminding them of the diagnosis guidelines and then all of the resources that are out there locally and nationally for families. So how do you guys reach out to doctors? Do you actually go into doctor's offices and give them paperwork? What do you, like how, that's a your... great question. Yeah. <laughs> so what, and really, you know, that's been something that we've really struggled with the last few years. And now that we're a large enough organization, doctors are taking us much more seriously great. as a group. And so it's been really powerful. This last year has just been huge for us. And next year will be even bigger on the medical outreach side. Um, we want moms to feel empowered and dads to share the diagnosis information with their doctors and have those conversations with them about how that diagnosis conversation went according to the guidelines. Mm. Like, did they give them accurate information? Yeah. Did they give them resources? Um, did they talk to the parents together? All those things that are really laid out in Scott Coe's research about what that looks like. And then we really are working to help the local organizations because we feel like, especially now seeing the full landscape it's really the local organizations that can make those connections with medical providers locally and have ongoing relationships and continue to share their resources and make those connections. They're the ones that have so much power in all of this and right. hopefully by, you know, parent power as well. But um, really, we hope that every family connects with their local organization and gets connected in that way. So that way they can make a difference. Um, the other thing that we're doing on the DSDN side is we are starting to attend a lot more medical conferences so that way we can get out there in front of the medical providers and share some That's of great. our experiences and share those resources. So um, this year we went to three different medical conventions and next year we're slated to go to 12. Wow. So we'll be hitting everywhere across the country. That's yeah. awesome. And then so have you received any pushback from doctors or has everyone been pretty, you know, receptive of what you guys are you know, pushing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's been really good. We went to the ACOG district meeting in New York city, which is one of the largest ACOG meetings. And so that's all the OBGYNs in the area that come and want to learn about things. And it was an incredible, incredible weekend for us. They were all there as professionals wanting to learn and understand everything they could. They, you know, are attending all their meetings. We did, um, helped with a lunch symposium and it was a packed room that wanted to hear about the, um, NIP. PT screens, and then also that wanted to just hear about the diagnosis experience in general. But we talked to so many medical providers and residents that day, and it was so, so interesting to hear because many of them don't give a diagnosis very often. Mm -hmm. So it's having those resources available so that they know what's really there so that way they can really support their patient in the best way that they can. And um, it, it was that was the overwhelming feeling that we got coming away from there, how much they all want to do right by their patients and make sure that they're giving them the right information. So awesome. they're so open to it. Good. That's so great to hear. What do you think the difference is between the United States versus somewhere like Iceland that's, you know, trying to eradicate Down syndrome? Like what, you know, what are we doing here that's different? 
Yeah, you know, I don't know. Not ever being in that space of where things are going. Um, my biggest connection is to my one of my greatest friends that we met when we were pregnant, Joel Kelly, and she's in Australia, and they have a very high termination rate there. And the conversations that they have just as a society and as a community about Down syndrome and with medical professionals, it's just it's just such a different way than it is here. And so, you know, there too, just the way that their systems are for health care and for education and all of those pieces, I think some of that just contributes to it in general. But also here in the U.S., you know, inclusion has come just huge gains in the last few years, all the moms and dads that have been working so hard over the last decades. And that just hasn't happened, I think, especially in Australia. And I'm likely guessing in Iceland and places like that too. So I think all that work just makes such a difference. Um, Somebody else was talking about too, that, you know, some of the people who are now in trainings and medical providers, you know, they might've gone to school with kids with disabilities or special needs and been in classes with them. And so they might just have a different take on what that can look like for a family than doctors might have 10 or 20 years ago. Right. No, I totally agree. You know, when I think about, you know, Eli's not in kindergarten yet, but you know, he's going to be next year and I, I want him to be included for so many reasons. And, and one of the reasons is, you know, there could be a future doctor in his class that, you know, when he grows up and is going to give a diagnosis, he can say, Hey, I was, you know, in kindergarten with this kid named Eli and he was great. You know, it's just, I feel like inclusion. Yeah. I think you're right. Inclusion does play a very important role. Um, so yeah, one thing, I think the power of that is huge, yeah. huge. And, and as far as siblings and things go, oh, like I sure. see my older kids when their friends are over, you know, they're hanging out with Owen and playing. I, I just think, wow, this is making such a ripple effect yeah. for all of these kids because they might not have ever been around a kiddo like Owen before. Right. And that right. ripple effect is huge it's for our huge. kids yeah, and definitely. everybody. Yeah. So one thing, um, before, um, like, you know, when I was just preparing for today, I went on to the DSDN website and, um, I saw this video and I was like, you know, totally crying. Um, (laughs) but one of the things, um, was, um, quotes from some parents that, you know, have gotten a diagnosis. And so I just wanted to, um, read a couple of those because they were just so awesome. Um, so um, one of them says, um, their doctor said, uh, your son has a long life to look forward to. The only limitations he will have are the ones that we set for him. So make sure to not set any. <laughs> I love that mm-hmm. so much. Um, mm-hmm. and another doctor said, it's my job to bring your baby into the world as healthy as possible. It's your job to love her and enjoy the ride. Um, and then another mom said, um, our cardiologist told us our son would be able to do anything except scuba dive. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And then another doctor said, I can't tell you what he or she won't be able to do. I can't do that with any baby. And, oh gosh, I just love that so much. Uh, Mm -hmm. just, you know, those are doctors that are doing it right. And I, you know, love hearing Absolutely. stories like that because you hear so many, you know, negative stories. You know, my story is super negative. And so, you know, I just love hearing that, you know, there's doctors out there that are getting it and, you know, making exactly. a difference. You know, that makes a huge difference, you know, when you're able to have the doctor um, from the get go, you know, give you hope and, and know that your future is going to be amazing, you know. Absolutely. And we see that trajectory all the time with families. Like you can just tell when people come into it hearing, you know, their diagnosis one way or another, they just 
are that that really establishes and sets how that path is going it to does. go for that family. Yeah. So we know that the more that we can get medical providers to say not even the right things, but at least things that are going to set that path in motion the right way, right. Um, that that will make all the difference in the world. Yeah. And not limit their potentials because nobody knows what their potentials are going to be in the long run. Right. So, Absolutely. You know, and then, so before you touched on, um, you know, asking parents to, you know, write letters to their doctors, letting them know how, you know, how they did basically when they, they gave the diagnosis, what are some other things that, um, parents can do? I know that I've heard of, um, when Eli was really little, I heard about this other little boy that was a little bit older and he had gone to, um, some sort of, um, class or something for future doctors. It was like in medical school and they were able to just to observe, you know, a child with Down syndrome and, you know, that way when they later in life are giving a diagnosis, they can say, you know, I saw this little boy and, you know, his life is great instead of reading about, you know, someone in a textbook, it just makes yeah. such a difference. Yeah, there are some amazing programs across the country. I'm thinking of one especially that's out of Massachusetts, and I will have to look up the name. I'm forgetting it right now, but there's a program there that is part of their um, preparation classes for the medical providers. They spend um, some hours with people with a disability or a special it. need or in different areas, and just to really get a chance to kind of be around that family and get a sense of what life is really like. Um, I think the powerful piece of that, I think sometimes as parents, we feel like we need to always share like the really amazing things that are going on with our kids and forget that we can just share all the regular Mm -hmm. life stuff too, you know, that we all go through. That was my biggest challenge when I first found out about the diagnosis. I felt like everything I was reading was everything was going to be so amazing and wonderful. (laughs) I was never even, I, I couldn't even imagine how fantastic it would be or (laughs) things were going to be so awful and terrible that I would never get past anything. And I just couldn't get that in my head about how it could either be one way or the other. Like I knew I'd had kids like some days suck, some days are fabulous. (laughs) And that's just life. Right. Exactly. And, and that's what I, that's what I hope that every medical provider can understand is that, you know, we are not, I mean, we are all rock star parents, but we're not any more rock star parents than just parents in general right. sometimes. Thank you. Know? you. Can we, we just... can we get that one more time for the people in the back? Yeah. Because I feel like everybody always <laughs> gives know. us so much credit and I appreciate that so much, but also they need to give themselves credit because totally. whatever life that we're handed, it's all difficult. I don't care exactly. what kind of child that you have. We all have difficult children one day Absolutely. or, you know, when they all have their off days. Yep. For sure. I've had more issues medically with my other children than I ever have with Owen. So, you know, it always just makes me laugh when people are like, oh, I really admire you. <laughs> Think, oh, okay, well, all right. We all had hot dogs for dinner last night. Yes. So admire that. Because, Thank you. You know, that's how life goes around here. But, you know, everybody steps up and does the right thing right. for their kids. And that is what a rock star parent is, in my opinion. Yes. Really. And um, you just do whatever you feel is right, whether it's speech therapy, whether it's swimming lessons. I mean, whatever you feel like it's right you do it and we're all rock stars we are yeah coming alongside your kids and just walking that journey with them and making the best decisions you know at the time like that is and just being there for them and supporting them in every Mm -hmm. way that we possibly can definitely absolutely absolutely so Jen um what would you say to a mom who just got a very negative diagnosis from a doctor 
Oh, I would probably want to give her a huge hug and say, take a deep breath. And, you know, I, I would first probably ask, like, what questions do you really have? What do you really want to know about what this looks like? Because I can tell you my experience. I can connect you with other families who can share about their experiences. Um, I think we all just come into this, too, with such different perceptions. I had no concept about really anything with Down syndrome except watching um, Corky on Life Goes Son. Honestly, that was like no, all I had. I, I had that connection too. Wise. Yeah, I love that yes, show. <laughs> I was, yeah, I did too. That, but that was all I knew. And so I didn't, I had no idea of all the medical complications that are potentially related yeah. to Down syndrome. Like, so I know some people really worry about that right away, but mm-hmm. I was like totally naive. I had no idea until I started digging into Google and then, you know, that panic started to arise. Yeah. Dr. Google is not really your friend (laughs) at the beginning stages with any of this. No, not really. You know, we, we hope to really flood the information that way to help people really find good information and valid information. So that way they do have something to really kind of hook onto when they first get that diagnosis. And if they do have that terrible diagnosis, it's just letting them know that, you know, what that doctor said is what they might think is true, right. but here's some actual information that right. we can provide to you. And even if they highlighted all of these medical things could be happening with your kiddo, you honestly don't know that. And you can't no. know until you're with your kiddo and right. see what's going on. So and there I is just life after diagnosis. Out. There is life. There's just For some sure. new things that we've all got to learn. And that's the purpose of our life. And it's mm-hmm. fine. And life doesn't end after diagnosis. It's just a new life begins. Oh my, I love how you're saying that. Like the, I just think about that, how I've evolved as a parent. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is, is just unbelievable to I me when to I think, think that about it. Writer's diagnosis was like the most crushing thing in my soul. And then my daughter got diagnosed with hers. And it's just like, this isn't the end of the world. Like this is just the help mm-hmm. to get all the resources that they need and check all those boxes because potentially if they do have those medical concerns or conditions, you know, we can help, um, you know, do things to be proactive to f- not fix them, but, um, uh, to manage everything. Yeah, and to manage them, them and just to know mm-hmm. that we need to do these, not we need to do these certain things, but these um, therapies are out there to help your children. And here's some good resources because when you get that diagnosis, you can find other parents that say, hey, we've done this and this has helped us or hey, we've done this and this hasn't really helped, but maybe it will help your son because they're all different. So mm-hmm. some things help, some things don't help. It's a lot of trial and error. And that's okay. That's okay. Just win more than you lose some of each day. And, and it's okay to lose some. Solid. It's just, that's mm-hmm. the way life is. We're not always going to win mm-hmm. everything and our kids aren't always going to be perfect little souls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> True story. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jen, for joining us today. Really appreciate it. What is um, a good way for people to find you and then also um, find the DSDN? Sure. So um, I, I'm all over Facebook, Instagram, all that fun <laughs> stuff. But um, for DSDN, our website is just www.dsdiagnosisnetwork.org. And on there, um, you can find all the connections to all of our groups. So if you want to join a birth club group, we have them for every age now. So no matter what age your child is with Down syndrome, you can connect into a birth club. Um, we also have our pregnancy group. And then we have about 50 subgroups listed on wow. our website also. 
that you can connect with other families um, in more of a topical area. So like hearing loss or heart conditions, or um, if you're a single parent or raising an only child, we just, we have a group for everything, which has been really powerful to help people more deeply connect and just be able to find the right resources and supports as their kiddos get older. So um, the website is a great place to head to. Otherwise, our Facebook page always has lots of information there too. So those would be great spots to check it out. Awesome. What a great resource you've created for parents. Oh my gosh, definitely. So We have just an amazing team. Now we have over a board of nine and we have, uh, I think 15 or 16 directors leading all the day-to-day work alongside me. So about a hundred volunteers. There's a ton of people working there. And you guys also do, and you guys also do the retreat every year, which is so fun and amazing. Yeah. Yeah. The retreat has just become a powerful thing. We're expecting 500 moms this year in uh, in Nashville. Wow. Is where we'll be. So that's any mom of a child with Down syndrome. And what year did you do the first retreat? Uh, We started the first retreat in 2014 or 15. This will be our fifth year coming up. And how many guests did you have at your first one? Um, you know, we had 90 at our first wow, one. Wow, girl, actually you've grown in, in so little, much. Yep, a little small airport hotel in Minneapolis <laughs> next to the Mall of America. And yes. just 90 of us that had been connecting online for a year or two. So, so wow. it's amazing to see now. So, And we have a virtual option, too, because we know that that's not always possible, especially if you're going through medical things with your kiddos or can't get away because we know childcare is so difficult. So. Um, more of that will come. Our registration actually opens in January, January 1st nice. for the mom retreat and our second annual dad retreat, Ooh. which is happening. Yes. Yes. That, for the dads. Uh, Cause the dads yes. always get left out. Those poor dads. <laughs> they, yes, they, they do. do. They, they do. do. So this will be our second. We're hoping for about 50 dads in, yes, in Denver. That's awesome. In August, so nice. I feel like dads really need that yes. resource to connect because moms are always chatty Cathy's and just <laughs> always find their people. And dads, I feel like kind of get left in the dust. Totally. So I'm true. happy that you're actually making an effort to make the dads included too, because the dads are the only ones always left yeah. out. Every time I come home from a retreat, yes. Eric's like, when do the dads get together? Yeah, I'm exactly. like, go ahead, plan it. Yes. Please. Go for it. Exactly. No one's holding out back. when you're gone. Yes. <laughs> it is yet to happen. Right? I always say, oh, go for it. it. You go, girl. Yes. <laughs> I'll pass you the information for Denver. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I'll definitely let them know. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jen. Thank you for being a guest, Jen. Have a great day. Anytime. Let me know. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. When she's not hosting Advocate Like a Mother podcast, Michelle Sullivan also owns Littlest Warrior Apparel. Littlest Warrior was inspired by her son, Eli. Eli has had several procedures, including open heart surgery during his first year of life. Eli also happens to have Down syndrome. After his heart surgery, she was looking to connect with other moms who have kids with special needs and she thought t-shirts would be a fun way to interact. She started designing tees and Littlest Warrior was born and quickly grew. She loves that her tees are conversation starters and that's a great way to spread awareness. Shop now and use your voice with Littlest Warrior apparel at littlestwarrior.com. Don't forget to grab your Advocate Like a Mother tee and use the promo code ADVOCATE at checkout for a 10% discount today. Thanks for shopping. Wow, that was a great interview. She's amazing. Yes, definitely. Yes. 
I love all of the things that she came in with, the the diagnosis, the letter to the doctor. Yes. Um, so perfect. Yes. I need to do that still. <laughs> I'm kind of scared to do that. <laughs> I don't think that they would appreciate my letter, so I'm just not going to go there yet. So um, my friend Trista actually wrote a Dear Doctor letter, and she actually posted it just the other day. So this is perfect timing. Oh. So I kind of want to read it. Okay. Um, especially since I don't have one. So Me this either. Is, this is perfect. And I, as I was reading this, I was like, this is exactly how I felt and how I like, it's like she took the thoughts out of my head. We should like the universal letter to doctor. Love the special needs moms (laughs) and dads. Okay. So her name's Trista Park and this is her dear doctor letter. Okay. Dear doctor, I doubt you remember me from two and a half years ago. I sat opposite of you in your tiny corner office overlooking the bustling city. Your desk was filled with papers everywhere. My husband gripped my hand as he took a seat next to me while we waited to hear your thoughts on our unborn baby's diagnosis, which is Down syndrome. Not that I particularly wanted to hear your thoughts. You were cold as you pulled up my chart on your computer, your back to me. Dried tears stained my cheeks. I tried as best as I could to hold back all of my emotions during the appointment. You finally turned to us and acknowledged us with a short greeting before getting right into why we were meeting with you. Pity in your voice, you explained Down syndrome in a negative tone as if I had absolutely no idea about any of it. You listed all the health concerns associated with Down syndrome and the likelihood of our baby having every single one of them. The way you referred to my unborn baby felt dehumanizing and my blood boiled. Just, just, sorry, she was just another statistic, another tale of chance and according to you defined only by her diagnosis she already had a name Bernadette Hope my baby girl whom I loved deeply already she was being formed inside of me of my womb perfectly as I went to each and every appointment and during the hard news delivered going to sleep at night worried for her future and her health and you played into that fear you looked at me once again with pity written all over your face and began to tell me how this baby would likely not survive to 40 weeks you explained the risk of stillborn, <clears throat> stillbirth with babies with Down syndrome without a glimmer of hope in your voice. I tuned out the rest of the appointment. I know there were plans made and more appointments scheduled and supposedly important information about a 39-week induction, but none of that stuck with me. What I left with that day was the fear of my baby would not be born alive at the end of all of this. Your words haunted me throughout the remainder of the pregnancy. I lost sleep over the thought of not having a baby to bring home after delivery, if we even made it that far. Tears poured out of my eyes. I filled pages in my journal with worry about how the situation would unfold. I'm here today to tell you this. She did make it. She came out fighting, completely blue and screaming for her life, but she did it. She survived the pregnancy. And not only that, but here we are two whole years later and she's thriving. She rocked her heart surgeries and everything in between. No, it's not easy, but we're doing it one day at a time. That's life anyway. We have plenty of days that are beautiful and delightful and completely magical. Other days I stop and wonder what in the world God was thinking when he gave me gave this weak woman the task of raising Bernadette. Like any other human being, I go tired of the demanding schedules filled with therapies and appointments and prioritizing my time with my other two daughters who need just as much attention. Would I change it? Not for anything in the world. The perspective I have gained in these short years is something I would not have gained had I not walked this road. Dear doctor, I wish I could share with you all of the wonderful things I've learned since that day. If I were sitting across from you, I'd look you in the eyes and gently share with you that my daughter is more than her diagnosis. She's an extremely important part of our family and I cannot imagine her being and I could not imagine being without. I would encourage you to get to know people with Down syndrome or other families with a child with Down syndrome. Spend time with them. Observe them for yourself how incredibly wonderful these human beings are. How they would 
All have been uniquely created for purpose that only they themselves can fulfill. You are in a unique position, meeting with families who are facing hard circumstances with their unborn babies, families that are perhaps grieving the expectations they had for their family. You are seeing raw and unfiltered emotions. In these moments, you have an opportunity to help change the narrative from the beginning. Had you have smiled at me when I first walked in, offered a warm and friendly hello, and even asked me how I was doing with the new diagnosis, that would have changed the essence of our entire conversation. Starting with the positives and still referring to my daughter as Bernadette and not the Downs baby would have made a tremendous difference. Sure, I understand part of being in the medical profession is giving people the facts, but insisting that my daughter did not have much of a chance making it to birth robbed me of time in my pregnancy that I'll never get back. The days spent mourning what I thought was going to end in loss were days that marked the entire pregnancy, days filled with emotions that dominated those remaining weeks. Not everyone's story ends the same as mine. I'm not naive anymore. The reality is there is no way to predict what will happen even with a healthy and typically developing pregnancy. I can't see the future, neither can you. I rest assured in the one who does, the one who knows the number of the hairs on my head, every single breath I will take, and my very last day here on earth. I trust him with my life and the lives of my babies. Bernadette Hope is one of my three greatest blessings in life. She is a, a world changer. With all sincerity, the mama of Bernadette. Okay, I'm crying, and seriously, the Downs baby, I literally could crawl out of my skin. <laughs> yeah, I drives just, me nuts. Uh, Eli's doctor still does that. She I says, cannot. Yeah. I'm sorry, but they are a person. <laughs> no, no, he does not. <laughs> no. No, oh, that's not what it's called. It's not though. <laughs> you're the doctor. <laughs> I know. It's just so cringeworthy. Yeah. I just, we do need to change this um, whole conversation. Yeah. And they never start with a the positive. They no, always no. come in with that look on their face. Like they're going to tell you the worst news in the world. Right, right. And it's like, this isn't the worst news in the world. Yes, it's life changing. And yes, it's going to change your perspective on every single thing in life. But there is hope. Yeah. And there is a bright and big future right. for them we just all have to work together to get there right, right definitely. you know yeah um if that just that dear doctor wow yeah so i think wow. all of us need to write a letter to, to our letter. dear doctor yep. <laughs> that's gonna be a difficult task for me leaving out no curse words but we're gonna try we're really gonna try <laughs> i only have one doctor in mind that i can write this dear doctor letter to and it's the one that told us that writer would be a vegetable forever oh my goodness and i just want to show him now like right. do you see my son walking do you see him feeding himself with a right. fork do you see my son doing all of these things that you said that he would not do because you have a crystal ball mm -hmm. and you knew my future right right, right. you had no clue it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating and it just, I feel like it makes your grief a thousand times worse. Oh, yeah. Because you're already in the trenches yeah. going through it. Yeah. And then you just have somebody come in and just think that they know everything and know how your future is going to be and how exactly it's going to play out because not every single child is the same. I mean, right. Ryder is probably one of the only children with Williams syndrome that has post-pump Korea. Mm. I only know one other child with Williams and post-pump Korea. That's it. So this isn't like a typical, they're all bunched in the same group. You know, Williams syndrome typically are happy children, but meet Ryder. <laughs> yeah, it's going to change your perspective real quick because they're not all the same as with Down right. syndrome, yeah, right? people say that all the time. Yes. People with Down syndrome are always happy. But they're not. They're humans. They're they have not. emotions. And some of them need behavior therapy. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Because they have other um, communicative yeah. things that are difficult yeah. for them. So that's why it... 
and turns into these things. And we all have emotions, and we yes. all have good days and bad days. And we're not and always all going to be happy yeah, all the time. Exactly. Because sometimes people hurt your feelings, or things right. just, you know, like for writers, songs make him sad, or like certain movies make him sad. You know, just they're in touch on emotions on a whole mm. nother level than we are, and they can feel our emotions mm. as well. So it's not, I hate when those doctors come in there with these bad attitudes because then we are the ones that have all of these anxieties and right. emotions and then our kids are feeding off of that right. feeling the same thing yeah. and it's just not fair because we're already putting that on them it's right. very um, difficult so I hope that doctors will hear this and yes. take into consideration that we are human too because if they were getting this diagnosis they would want somebody to have a little bit of grace for them as right. well because for some parents, they're not expecting this. Like no. for me, myself, I was, I've never even heard of Williams syndrome in my whole entire 27 years of life. Yeah. And then I was like, what, what? Yeah. I never heard of that. What's that? Yeah. And then it just it answered all these questions, you know, right. everything made sense at that point, but still some people are not expecting it. So right. sometimes you just have to go in there a little gently versus full throttle and right. oh, this is their life. They're just going to have heart conditions and all of these ailments and right. I think like one thing that, you know, as we were preparing for this episode, I was mm -hmm. thinking like trying to put myself in a doctor's shoes. Yes. Like why do some of them just come in with just, you know, the worst case scenario. And right. the only thing I can think of is they don't want to, to give you false hope, false hope yep. and say, Oh, life's going to be amazing. Right. And, it's and then so what if easy. something really bad does happen? Right. And I feel like I get that side of it from the doctor's perspective, but I do feel like there's a way that we could go about saying these things to not make parents instantly flip and think like oh my gosh we're gonna always have the worst right. case scenario because right. that's not always how it is yes sometimes it is yeah but it's just not always how it is so no. we just have to kind of there has to be a middle path yes and i am one that please tell me the worst case because i would rather know and per mentally prepare myself than not know and be um angry that you didn't tell me right. before you know I think that's, that's what doctors fear like, yes I've heard of um you know around the time that we got Eli's diagnosis mm -hmm. I heard about a woman who sued her doctor mm -hmm. because something I can't remember the circumstances but it was something like he didn't you know paint a bleak enough future mm -hmm. and she didn't end up getting an abortion and then she wanted one and was mad that he didn't you know give her all the facts and that's just heartbreaking because then that puts doctors in a horrible position. Right. They don't want to get sued. So they're no. like, oh, shoot, I better just, you know, give the worst, worst case, case scenario right. so they know all their options. Right. For us, they didn't even give us the worst case for writer. You know, open heart surgery, there's so many, like, potential seizures, you know, mm. clearly the worst case not getting up off the table but there's a long list that right. they give you and that you sign but post pump korea is not on there wow. and that's how i felt after i was so livid that they just didn't even warn us about this wow. i'm like how could you not tell us like this is major this is completely life debilitating like life changing i mean my kid went from self-feeding to a g-tube right so and it's just this is something that happens to like 0.1 percent of people so it's not on there right. regularly um, symptoms. Right. It's just something that just doesn't happen that often. But I wish that they would say, you know, this is very low chance, but this could, could potentially happen. happen. So brace yourself for this because mm -hmm. they do feel like Williams syndrome has a part in it because of the um, neurological part of Williams. But we just don't know because there's just not enough research wow. and there's just not enough kids to do research on, which right. makes it 
even more difficult because right. it's not like I wish more kids would get this. I don't, but I just wish that we could either A, find something that will help cure it or something that will help prevent it from happening, you right. know, because it's just like w when you're a parent in that situation, it's the worst. Right. So crazy. It is. So you mentioned that you had some resources. Yes. So I had asked um, about what you would tell or what piece of advice you would give a newly diagnosed parent. Because I feel like sometimes when we get that diagnosis, we just get stuck and we just don't think that there's any life after or our life is ending or, you know, we can't cry or we can't feel these emotions. And I feel like we all need to take a deep breath. Go read the poem, Welcome to Holland. <laughs> and just know it's okay to cry. Um, but there's also so much more life after this diagnosis. Right. It just gives you a whole other way of looking at life and perception and gratefulness and just things that I don't think we would learn if we didn't have our children. Right. Um, somebody else says, take it one day at a time. It's going to be okay. They're still your babies no matter what. Right. And you're still going to love them. Yeah, Even if they drive you bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> and um, feel the grief, but remember to enjoy your babies because diagnosis doesn't change who they are. No. And it's never going to define them. It's just a tiny little piece of them. Right. That's it. And yep. it just helps us help them. Yeah. That's that's what it comes down to. And look into support groups. Find your tribe. Find people that are like people. Maybe yes. not the same same diagnosis as your child, but find, find people that will understand and that will be there for you right. and that will let you vent and not make you feel like, you know, yeah. crazy. Because sometimes I feel that way. <laughs> yeah. I can't even imagine life without social media. Oh, my like, gosh. How did those parents years survive? Ago, just... I don't understand. Yeah. No resources. I like, nobody to talk to. I would feel so... I already feel isolated as it is. And there's so much community on social media yeah. nowadays. I mean, I can't imagine what it was like back in the olden days, right. quote unquote, <laughs> when they had nothing yeah. like that. I mean, they barely had phones. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, it's just... I don't... I... Uh, I praise that we have social media yes. nowadays because that is such a lifeline for all of it us. Is. I mean, if you look at the post, uh, the hashtag post pump career, you'll find me. So I hope that one day parents will find me and mm. say like, Hey, my kid has this, like, this is a good resource to like, right. look. And I actually have two parents that have found me on that That's hashtag. Awesome. So I'm like, yes, it's working. Like, this is what That's great. social media is for. Like yeah. to show people that there is life after this and that it does get better. You just have to let it take it, take its course and just right do the best you can and Definitely. that's what we do every single day yeah. we do the best we can yeah. even if we fit our kids hot dogs or ice cream for dinner <laughs> right. we're doing the best we can it's okay definitely um one thing i wanted to mention too is mm -hmm. a friend of mine and they started um it's called prenatal diagnosis connect okay and um it's not just for down syndrome it's for any diagnosis mm -hmm. but they'll so if you get a, a diagnosis you can go to prenatal diagnosis connect.org uh -huh. and you sign up and they will link you to someone who has the same diagnosis okay and they try to find someone close by nice. to you what a great resource yeah. that is yeah. i mean i wish i would have had that honestly with writer i mean not with harper because now i already kind of have that right. but that would have been such like a nice resource right definitely i remember when we got eli's diagnosis as soon as we left the hospital you mm -hmm. know i felt like my, I was just like spinning. Same. I just felt like that tunnel vision yeah. where you just can't hear or think of anything right. else besides that. Oh, and you just feel like your vision. whole soul is just melting yeah. because you weren't expecting it. And you're just, where do we go from here? But I just remember scanning my brain going, mm -hmm. who do I know that yes. has a child with Down syndrome? Right. And it took me a while. Yes. And I finally like pictured this sweet, sweet mom. Mm -hmm. And I used to see her at Mops. Okay. Mothers of preschoolers. Yes. I don't know. Um, 
you know, when we were and when my girls were little, mm-hmm. I would see her getting her little boy Lincoln out of the car, yes. and she just was beaming, right? Just With and joy. all these other moms yes. are like screaming at their kids, right. and she's Sit here, down. she yeah, and here she is, <laughs> you know, me. with her little guy with Down syndrome, <laughs> right? Giant smile on her face, and I, I know. Just, and I remember this is so weird, mm-hmm. but I remember seeing her and thinking, if I ever have a baby with Down syndrome, right. I want to be like her, right? And so it took me a minute, and then yeah. I remembered her. And so I ran home, went on Facebook, <laughs> found her, and then we were like eating dinner at their yes. house like a week later. Thank God for Facebook. I yes. think we just say thank God for Facebook <laughs> because that's how I felt. You know, we got the Williams syndrome diagnosis. I went, I Googled, I'm like, okay, what is Williams syndrome? I went to their website. I'm like, okay, connect me with somebody. Like I, I need to talk to somebody. I just need to like know yeah. and educate myself and just find out in this whole new world I mean like what is it about because there's just so much out there and I'm so appreciative that they have groups and yeah. resources and websites and things like that for us parents who are new to this who are like we need to find our person how long did it take you to find a friend um less than 24 hours oh that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> they have a good like um they have like regions you know for oh, William syndrome so they hooked me up with the one in Southern California oh, and awesome. then the president um for the board was in there and yeah it was nice and it's nice to read and hear other stories of other moms and yeah. watch them as they're older. And it's just, it's nice. Although sometimes I don't feel like I can relate to a lot of things because I just always feel like the oddball out because mm. writers just very different from all of their other children. Um, there are so many similarities mm. and it just makes me um, hopeful for what his future can and will be. Yeah. You know, when you see them older and they're engaging with people at a typical function in high yeah. school or they're working or, right. you know, they're 40 years old talking about how much they love their parents. Um, I mean, like that to me is magical. Yeah. Like that to me is what I want to see. Right. You know, and I understand there's so many health issues and worries and what are we going to do when they grow up? Right. But just to see them thriving and being happy is all that really matters. It will right. take all that mom stress away just for a second. Totally. But you know totally because that's all we really want is just for them to be happy and just for them to feel loved and to have that friendship or something that they feel you know because we all want to feel that way I don't I don't care who you are you want to feel that way from at least one person besides your parents (laughs) (laughs) you know what I'm saying most kids aren't a huge fan after after a few years of their parents like okay we need to find somebody else who's not as annoying as my mother (laughs) definitely so um, I feel like we could go on this episode oh for days. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I guess in conclusion, yes, don't lose hope. No, no. Be patient. I know it's so hard, but patience will come. Yeah. I promise. I yeah. am the least patient person, but I've learned. Yeah. Breathe. Yes. Breathing is good. <laughs> and just love them because that's who they are. Yeah. yeah. And we're all different. Yeah. So we just have to appreciate it and just embrace it and learn new perspectives. Definitely. Yeah, and then if you do go online, yes, don't Google. Just find no, friends. It's okay. I mean, I, I feel like we're all going to Google, so it's okay. Just don't always believe what you read, right? Because right. we're all just yeah. not what Google says. Exactly. And then write those dear doctor letters, please. And then find your tribe. And, find your tribe. You know, and love them and yep. hold them and love your kids. Yes, the love end. them every single day, even when they're driving you bonkers. Because yep. I promise, mine drive me bonkers every day. Right. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for listening today. As always, go to advocatelikeamother.org and sign up for our mailing list. Follow us on social media, Advocate Like a Mother. Please subscribe to Advocate Like a Mother and review us on iTunes. Thanks again, friends. Bye, friends.